Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So for the past month, if you are just joining us now or joining us online or jumping back into our story, we've been exploring this a big idea in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are called as followers of Jesus Christ to be new creations, that there is an old self that goes away and that there's a new part that starts all brand new when we start following Christ as our Savior. And we've talked about the tensions of that. We've talked about the joy of that. We talked about even in death that there's not fear because we are looking at what life looks like through the concept of us being brand new People, but there's a tension because our brokenness and our sin keeps driving us back into this place of feeling like I'm not a new creation. In fact, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I love Jesus, but I am a hot flaming mess. And so the tension that we live in between these two things is we hear there's this new creation, but I'm a hot flaming mess of a life. Now, how do I rectify these two things? And so we've been going through this series and exploring it and Today, at the end of our series, we're going to culminate all of it, and we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to be a new creation? What are some practical things here? So if you're a note taker, uh, uh, this is the thing where you start taking notes. This is one of those take note sermons, though you should every single one if you ask me. But uh, <laughs> note takers, open your phones. These are things you're going to want to think about and process, not just right now, but throughout the week. Because we are called as believers when we accept Christ that we do this big, huge word called repent. Repent is meaning I'm going to turn away from my sin. It's going to repulse me, and I want the things of God. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, we ask God to forgive us, and we may repent at that moment. But then what happens when we just keep sinning? We just keep sinning. It doesn't seem to necessarily go away. We kind of thought, I mean, maybe this was your faith journey. I'm going to ask Jesus into my life, and like some genie in a bottle, I'm going to rub the lamp, and poof, I'm now a good person. And maybe you are new to the faith walk, or you're just exploring what Jesus looks like, and you're going to say, I've been around Christians, and they keep sinning. <laughs> And, and there's this tension that keeps lying in this story. So what does it mean practically when I say that I am a new creation? Our key verse for this has been 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's our key verse for this entire passage, this entire series. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And what we've been talking about is that there is an ongoing process of exchange. There's an ongoing process of us laying down this old way and picking up this new way. So though we don't have the completed version of the new, we accept that I am supposed to be a new creation. And now my heart, my values, my life, everything in my life is now focused not on the old version, but on this new version that God gives us. But in herein lies the tension is that we really like some of the old parts of us. We like some of the things that the world has to offer. We like having power. We like 
having lots of money. We like being in control, and we like lording over people, and we like people being scared of us, and we like sin when I don't really care what people think. And those deep, dark sin secrets that you all hold right now, you're like, I like those when I want them because I want them when I want them. Like a little kid sneaking into the kitchen at night to steal the cookie from the cookie jar. Like, I just want it now, and I don't care if I get in trouble. We like those. And so those things in our life continue to butt up against this idea that I am a new creation because I don't want to give it up. I don't want to. So all of your sins right now, which I see over your head as a thought bubble as you're thinking through this process. Totally kidding, I can't see you. Only people online, I can see you guys. So what you are now starting to process as I say this are what are those things? And those things that you have that you hope nobody finds out with and these things you've been maybe praying to God for for years, would you please take this away from me? Why aren't things changing? Why am I still struggling? I've been fighting this same battle of sin for so long, and there's been all this tension inside of me, but when we actually look at it, we're going to find out that as a new creation, the tension lies not on what God offers, but on what we're willing to open our hand and let go of. I understand something very well when it comes to the world of food. Um, I am trying to be on a health and wellness journey, and I, and I enjoy eating, but I don't really care. It's not a struggle for me. Like, I don't crave things. I'm just kind of like, I eat to survive. Like, what do you have in front of me? Sure, I'll eat it. I mean, I'm a human garbage disposal, actually. So I don't need, like, fancy foods or good foods. But I've been around people who crave certain things. Certain things. But I do have a craving. My craving is salty. I love salty things. And because I work out and I do, do some of those things, I lose a lot of salt. And so like when I have a craving for something salty and I know I'm supposed to do eat healthy, my instinct is not to go, oh, let's put some salt on a piece of salary. My instinct is to say, I eat all the ruffles. And so even though I know I'm not supposed to, I open the bag of ruffles, not like a human being, but more like you'd picture the Hulk opening a bag, chips flying everywhere, me eat now, and I don't care. And what happens inside of my mind at that moment, though I'm living in a lifestyle over here, my desires trump what I know and what I really want as an end result, which is to be healthy. But I don't care because my cravings are so high, my desires say, I don't care what is good, I want what I want now. Our sin works the same way. Why are we still struggling with that same sin over and over again? Why is this still an issue? Because you bought the ruffles at the store and it's in your house. That's why. If it's not in your house, you're not going to struggle. If you don't let it in, it's not there. And I had my one friend, I told my friend this story. I said, dude, I'm struggling so much with this. He says, the battle begins in the shopping cart. The battle begins to shit. You can't eat what you don't buy, Jason. And I'm like, I don't like that you told me that. And I'm not, I defriended him on Facebook. <laughs> if I'm a new creation, what does this practically mean? It means this, that we are in a process. We're going to talk about this. We are in a process of exchanging an old way for a new way. But when we hold on to the old and try to map it to the new, it's going to cause a lot of frustration. It's going to cause pain. It's going to cause destruction because sin is going to destroy you. And that's what we're going to talk about today.
Before we go there, one of our core values, our core value we wrote when we started Mosaic was all about this idea because I have been in multiple worlds in my own life where I'm like, when things are not a struggle for me, no problem. I don't struggle with that, so yahoo, I don't sin like that. But then when there's a sin issue, which I do struggle with, these two tension comes because I become like that ravenous Hulk who wants to eat chips. I just want what I want now. There's a core value that we started with and said, when we start a church, I believe that we are all in this journey because when I look at scriptures, it talks about this. And our core value, our number one says this, the gospel changes everything. And what that means in our subtext is a new life available, is available. If you know what our core values are, we have five core values as a church in which we say, this is what our family rolls like. This is how we do things. These are the five things that if you could give us, wipe away everything else other than obviously major doctrine in the Bible. We're not talking about that. We're talking about our church family. We are going to believe that the gospel changes everything and a new life, look at the word, is available. That's a very important word because the new life, when you accept Christ as your savior, God, I heard this statement, I love this. God is a gentleman. He doesn't force his way into anybody. So if you don't want, you just want to keep living in this garbage life, keep going for the bad things, your, your life is falling apart, you're so frustrated, you're so irritated, why aren't things working out? Have you ever considered that you're actually holding on to an old value system and say you love Jesus, but you don't want to give up everything? Because the new life available changes everything in how you perceive your existence, your time, your resources, your life. This is what it says on our website, which I know you guys all read every other day. Uh, on our website, under our core value, gospel changes everything. This is what I and the team wrote when we sat down and dreamed about the moment that we would actually have a church together, a larger congregation. We dreamed about what do we want people to embrace and understand. This is what we wrote. When God sent his son to take our punishment for the evil all of us have done, the story of humanity changed 180 degrees. Everything is transformed when somebody embraces and lives by the truth of this gospel. We move from death to life, from lost to found, from broken to hopeful. We become part of God's mission to bring love, hope, and restoration into the world. As a believer, if this is a new thought for your newer believer, uh, God does something really miraculous with us. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to bring somebody who's going to walk with you, who's going to be your counselor. There's one coming we call the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit now comes and empowers believers to do things that are impossible. And that impossible, one of the great things he does in our lives is he takes us from death to life, from a bad system to a new system, from the world's kingdom to the kingdom of God. And in this process, there's a big word that we use called sanctification. Sanctification. Sanctification is the theological term of the process of becoming more like Christ. And for some people, sanctification is, I'm done, I release the past, I want the new. And you see a radical transformation. And you're like, wow, that is so crazy awesome. For the average kind of person, you see a process of us struggling with it kind of going back and forth and floating. And the Bible talks about that. It talks about those who are kind of floating and drifting around like waves on a water. It talks about what it looks like to kind of be in that middle ground and how 
God hates that place because you're neither really doing anything and you're really not doing anything. You're just kind of wanting what you want. But the transformation that we believe comes when you fully submit your life to Christ. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your master. And now what I want for myself isn't my own life. I now give my life away as a servant. And so the tension that we constantly live in when it comes to sin isn't about God. It's about you. You can have a new life. You can be released of those things. I'm not saying there isn't a sin tension. What I'm saying is that you're putting the bags in the cart, man. We're allowing ourselves to go there. We're finding excuses. We're saying, but God, don't you know what my week was like? But God, don't you know how much I hate my boss? We'll talk about that later. But God, like we have these but God, but God, but God story. Can I just indulge and eat the garbage food today? And God never says, okay. Because everything that is sin destroys us, destroys you, destroys your family, destroys your community. Sin replicates and creates more evil. And so the more sin we engage in, why would God ever ask us to do that and say, it's a pass on this one, Jason. You're a good boy. He doesn't do that. But what he does do is he says, I have given you the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome that temptation, to overcome that sin, and you can win if you open your hands. But I, and I'm assuming I'm not the only one this morning, tend to say, yeah, but mine. I really want that now. And when I take that, maybe we're just going to talk real for a second. When I get that power, it's like a drug almost. You just, you know, you know not supposed to do something naughty, but you just want to and you don't care and you kind of grit your teeth. And like, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. And you go through that and you grit your teeth and you grab your hands and then you indulge whatever crazy sin that you want. And then afterwards, you're like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, I love all your grace songs. I love when we sing about grace, God. Grace, grace, grace. Please don't sing about truth. Please don't sing about the fact right now, God, that you are truth and that there's punishment for sin that there's repercussions of sin. God, I know you forgive me, but I don't want to hear the part that my sin actually impacts people because I believe in my mind that those quiet sins or whatever those sins are, no one's going to find out, so it doesn't really matter. But everything matters when it comes to the Word. And so today, as we dig into this, and we're going to start to process this, we're moving out of 2 Corinthians. We're going to go actually into Ephesians where Paul is going to be talking about this whole concept of 2 Corinthians 5 in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps and you'd like to jump there, it'll be on the screen as well. It's a little bit longer passage. I'll be reading along. And in this passage, I'm going to break it down for you into sections where we're going to find that there are actually two alternate universes of you that exist. Like, I love Marvel and comic books, so I geek on this kind of stuff. If you don't like comic books, like, dude, he's a dork, and I get that. But there's always in comic books alternate universes. And what that means is that, you know, your superhero dies or something tragic happens. You're like, oh, no, but actually it's an alternate universe. So he didn't really die, and all these crazy storylines happen. But we find out that there's actually two versions of us as humans. There's a version and there's a, a type of humanity that rejects the things of God, and here's what's happening and those who submit themselves to God, and this is what's happening over here. And so we'll read about that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. It says this, 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Uh, Side note, Gentiles are people outside the people of God at that time. They were worshiping other gods that did not follow or adhere to Yahweh or the God that we know. We no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth to with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This passage in Ephesians is such a clear depiction of those two alternate worlds here. And sometimes when we get into a passage and we start reading, we start getting into any sort of Bible reading, depending on your style, we tend to read and be like, wow, there's a lot there. What's the next passage, Jason? Okay, we're not going to do that. In fact, I would encourage you to Bible read like this. This is one of my styles. Marinate in what's being said before you have to consume something more. Let's just sit here for a second because there are 53 sermons inside of this passage. I could take this thing and give you a whole series on Ephesians chapter 4, each one of them being an hour long, and you'd love it. So Ephesians chapter 4 is so rich. It's saying so much here, and we're going to cover just some of it today. But if you are looking for something to study and read and to work into your life, this is where I want to give you some insight for those who are looking to do Bible study. Take Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 32. This week, read it every day. Read it once through. Read it slowly. And then read it again. Take your journal or something to write. Read a verse and just start writing about that one verse. How is that impacting you? What do you see God saying here? What's going on in my life? And once you've got that one verse going, then take another verse. Maybe the next day, maybe you're ready to keep going. But let's slow down. We can't microwave transformation. We can't microwave the Word of God. This is so rich, friends, and so many things, because now we ask the question, why aren't I changing? The answer is because you're not doing Ephesians chapter 4, probably. There we go. And that's why we're going to dig into this, and I encourage you to go slow. So I'm going to break down into sections for you. And for those doing the Bible study portion this week, this will help you with this. We're going to start with 17. Um, We'll start with 17 and go through 19. 
Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Let me first just say as we begin this that I'm going to offend some of you today, if not a lot of you. There's, there's a trigger warning because this is the word of God. If you're going to be triggered, don't be triggered by Jason. Be triggered by what the word of God says to you today. Because there is a tension that immediately starts out with this. Our tension as Christians is to say, yeah, look at those people. But Paul isn't talking to those people. He's talking to you. He's saying to you, church, I testify in the Lord, you no longer do that. You are not supposed to do that. That way of living, which obviously they were doing, because he wouldn't have brought it up if there wasn't a tension point there, the things that they are doing, they are doing it because their mind is darkened, because they have futile thoughts. They have a hard heart, and they're ignorant. And because of that, something has started to come up with their way of thinking. Because of sin that has hardened them and calloused them and broken them down, there's a problem. They are now becoming so callous that all they're looking for is sensuality. I want absolute pleasure for me. This darkness of heart, this darkness of mind, brings you to the pursuit of ultimate pleasure. The pursuit of pleasure sexually, the pursuit of pleasure financially, the pursuit of pleasure as the American dream, which you hear me say how much I love that in Christian life. We are seriously looking at a word here that says you, when have darkened mind, are trying to pursue yourself all of the time. And that is not what we taught you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why this is tension point is the opposite of that is our culture is telling us is whatever I believe is my truth is my truth. So I believe what I believe, and you can believe what you want to believe until what you believe goes against what I believe, and now you're a hater. And now we can't be friends because you believe something from what I believe, and there's tension. And so all of us in this futile mind thinking start to create our own truths. And as we create all of our own truths, we now have a huge problem. The problem with our own truth or any sort of relativism or relativistic thinking or relativistic theology is that that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is one truth, and this is the truth of humanity, is that there is a culture that's going to be seeking its own pleasure and finding ways to make itself happy no matter what, including when it comes to sexuality. So let me ask you a question. Does it sound like 2023 to you? This was written not in 2023. This was written way back at the beginning of the church. And so the tension that we say, to, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's such a bad. It's always been bad. Let's stop whining about the culture and start complaining about Christians who are supposed to be better. Because the world is going to act as the world does. As Paul tells us, those have futile minds. It's because they are, have meaningless, worthless 
Think, look at this word, it's futile. Small thinking, it is all silliness, the way that they're thinking, because that is what happens when we are in sin without the Holy Spirit guiding us. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. They don't have the Holy Spirit guiding them. So why are we so upset about our culture? Why are we more upset that as Christians, we aren't doing anything? Why should we be more upset that as followers of Jesus, friends, we aren't even being disciples, let alone discipling anybody yet? There is a huge problem just in our fam. And that's the conversation we need to have as a church. Because Paul is having a conversation with his church in Ephesus. So he says this, guys, you don't do that anymore. You don't live that way. You don't think that way. And for very clear things, this isn't about you getting what you want. This isn't about you fulfilling all of your pleasures. This isn't about your sensuality, sexuality. This isn't about you just gaining everything that you want to feel good about yourself. Me, me, me. I just feel so needy, needy. Take, 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 take. Because that is what happens when you are living sin without the Holy Spirit. Those who now have the Holy Spirit submit and give all of our needs before God with our hands open. And now we say, my life is not mine. My life is yours, God. Because now I need to look completely different. So, here's our trigger warning. Brothers and sisters, your sexuality is not yours to discover. Your sexuality and how you express it and how if you're married and if you're married and all that, that is for what God has submitted us to. Marriage is created for sexuality. I know that's not popular. I don't care. Sexuality and marriage are one and one, two together. These things were made for a reason by God. What we have done as a culture is we've taken this beautiful thing and we twist 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 all the way down to our left with this broken, messy, disgusting version of what God has created for us. That means in what we are watching, in what we are clicking on, in what we are exposed to, sexuality is still submitted to God in every facet when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. When you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can do whatever you want. The rules aren't meant for you because you don't get it. When you follow Jesus, the tension now rises, especially with the word sex, the tension now rises like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. slow down, Pastor. I hear what you're saying. However, I don't like what you're saying because I need to express myself with love. I need to be loved this way. I need, and I hear you, brother and sister, and I'm saying to you this, that's futile thinking. Yes, there is a sexual need, a partner need, a, a, a need for connection, and there is a need that's there, but friends, that need like all things, like your need to eat, are submitted to God. All of our thing we have is submitted to God because we are no longer the old creation. We're a new creation. We're giving away the old to now pick up the new. That means all of it. And culturally right now, no matter the word sexuality or sex, no matter what facet you lie in and what we're talking about and what layer we're talking in, because the layers are so many layers right now, we're talking about every type of consideration sexuality, everything. Everything is submitted to God if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, period. There is no room for wiggle. It's just the way it is. Now, I'm going to tell you, as a male, I'm like, well, man... 
I, boy, there'd be a lot easier answer for me. I would just like to express myself wherever I want. Maybe as a female, like, I hear you, Jason. I just want to express myself wherever I want. But that's not good because I want you to process this. How comfortable would you be if you came on a stage right now and talked about what you believe sexually to a group of people on the stage? How comfortable would you be if I was like, oh, yeah, I got like four chicks on the side with my wife. How comfortable would you be if your pastor is like, no, go do what you want. It's all good. Because, guys, it's not just me. You and I are the exact same. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is telling his church, which is the church here today, open hands because the futility of your mind is leading you to pursue greedy to practice every kind of impurity is what the word of God says. Tension. So my question to you, what is your relationship with it? What is your relationship if you're married to your spouse? What's your relationship if you're dating to your boyfriend or girlfriend? What's your relationship as you're processing and sharing and teaching others? What is your relationship with it? Because if it's not the word of God, friends, there's a tension here that lies between you and the master. Because the master, Lord Jesus, has called us to something bigger than just what we want that day. But let's keep reading to the next portion because now a whole other wave comes in. See, this is why you're going to read this slow this week. All of you are like, I'm taking notes now. Okay, verse 20. But that, talking about the former verse, that is not the way you learned in Christ. You did not learn what we just talked about. That's not what you learned in Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. So assuming that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been taught what Jesus actually said, Jesus is truth, and the truth is, is that the followers of Jesus are not pursuing all sorts of impurity. That's not what they do. And he goes back and actually goes right back to the same thought process we had in 2 Corinthians 5. The truth in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in truth and righteousness and holiness. So the old self, in which we're supposed to get rid of, we get rid of that old way of thinking, this old former way, because it's corrupt and deceitful. I love the word deceitful, because that really explains to us sin so well. Deceitfulness is this, I was tricked or fooled. I was tricked or fooled to believe that this was going to result in something good in the outcome. I was tricked or fooled. And so corrupt and deceitful, which means it's broken before it starts, and as you then engage in it, it's going to leave you feeling wanting and needing more. I don't know, man. I think we've got something here in the passage. That when we are living in the old way as followers of Jesus, now he's talking to us today, as followers of Jesus, this old way is going to be corrupt and deceitful, and it's going to fool you, and you're going to think you want it, and that bag of chips is going to look tasty, and then you're going to sit on the couch sick to your stomach, saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm going to run five miles now, and you're going to feel bad about it because you've given up and gone to your old way. But when it comes to the reality of our spiritual life, our spiritual life now says, in Christ, we're embracing the new creation. This is what we want. Why do I even think? We don't even think about this anymore. I don't want this old way of living. It's let me down so many times. How many times has your sin let you down? 
and not fulfilled you, and you're like, why am I still struggling? Why do I still have low self-esteem? Why am I still broken? Why can't I be loved? Why, 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 why? Because it's deceived you, and it's corrupted, and it's left you in a huge pile of mess, because that's what sin does. That's what sin does. And so I'm not yelling at you, saying, oh my goodness, I thought this was the end of the series. I'm not, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you as your friend and as your pastor and as one who is living this passage out and I'm struggling just like you. As I'm writing this, I'm like, God, how am I going to write this? Because I'm struggling too. He's like, write it. So I did. So I'm, I'm writing this and there's tension that I have within my own life because there are things I want in my old life. I'm trying to let go, but I'm still gripping on. But they've let me down so many times. Like, why do I keep hanging on to this? Because I don't want to let go. Because we're called to something huge. We're called to reject the old and embrace the new. You have to reject the old to embrace the new. You have to reject the old to embrace the new. You've got to let go of this to be able to take on what God has. You have to take off the old self to have any space to put on the new self. There's an exchange that happens. and As I exchange the old to embrace the new, I now am learning a completely new way of life, a new way of thinking, a new way of processing. And it might not necessarily fulfill all my desires. I can tell you this. I can tell you this, friends. When I follow in the ways of Jesus and I do well, it doesn't necessarily fulfill my desires. But when I put my head in my pillow at night, I'm like, that was a good day. It's not exactly fulfilling my desires to walk on the street with the homeless and handled sandwiches. What's in it for me? But at the end of the day, when I'm done, I lay down, I'm like, God, it was a good day to just spend time with your people and to see your image bearers and just walk with you. It doesn't fulfill my desires. When someone is yelling at me for me to say, I'm so sorry, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to process that. Maybe I can do better next time. Thank you for sharing. Because my desire is to punch that person in the face. But at the end of the day, I lay on my bed and I say, you know, I did something that was otherworldly. God, I pray that you do something amazing with that. You have to exchange the old to pick up the new. There has to be some sort of exchange that happens. So practically, this whole sermon is like, well, the practical, I get you, Jason. Practically, what does this look like? The last portion of our passage here is going to get to it. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away any falsehood, right? So we rejected that now. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. But give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Transformation. Transformation that happens here. I read through this passage, and I honestly, I'm like, I don't like some of these. I like the thief one because I don't steal. That's never been a struggle. 
Thief, stop stealing. I like that part. The part where it starts talking about that I have to forgive, I'm like, I don't like that part. When it talks about like I'm supposed to put all slander out of my mouth, when someone hurts me, the first thing I want to do is start whipping out words to hurt people back. I don't like that part. But God never asked you if you're supposed to like the new you. Because the new you is, remember, holiness and righteousness of God. So the new you is that you're letting go of your version to now pick up God's version. So this is what God's version is. We're going to break this down very quickly, what new creations look like. First of all, new creations do not lie. They do not lie. Someone who lies can't be trusted. Even if we lie in the little things, how can we be trusted in the big things? So new creations are not liars. Their word are truth. When they say yes, it's a yes. When they say no, it's a no. They're going to be where they say they're going to be to the best of their ability. They are truthful speakers. And that's what a new creation looks like. New creations can be angry, but they forgive and they don't sin. I heard that verse many times, like, don't let the sun go down in your anger. And you're like, okay, we got to fix this before. That's not about fixing the relationship before the sun goes down. Because fixing is called reconciliation. Forgiveness can happen instantaneously. And forgiveness is I let you go of the offense against me. So I am allowed to be angry, and there can be anger. And I get angry sometimes. Nick is way more angry than I am. But I get angry sometimes. (laughs) But I forgive And when I forgive, do not sin against that person. Don't start talking bad. Don't start slandering. Forgive. I'm allowed to be frustrated, angry with something, especially when it's righteous anger. New creations do not steal. I don't know if you caught this, but instead work hard to help others. Think of this concept. New creations aren't taking what's not theirs. They're earning their keep, and they give it away. I'm not a thief. This isn't just talking about thieves right now. Listen to what I just said. New creations don't take from others. New creations work and gain and give it away to others. The The radical generosity of what is given away to others. New creations do not tear down others with words, but use them to build them off. How often do your words are like a knife to people's throats? and you use words to hurt on purpose. How often are your words, maybe maybe not intentional, but you know this is going to hurt them, so I'm going to cut just a little bit, not too deep. How often are your words used to bring life into people? How often are your words used to build and build people up? How often are your words, even in joking, cutting people down? I have the joy and honor. I'm coaching uh, boys tennis right now across the street. I coach like 20 sports now. So I'm coaching boys tennis, and I work primarily with freshman boys. And um, <laughs> if you haven't been around freshman boys for a while, um, I forgot, I'm like, man, boy, boys are just, we're, not, we're just dumb. But so boys, <laughs> freshman boys, I had to literally tell them to stop because all of them were going at each other, just picking on each other, just slicing, little digs. They're joking, right? They're joking. Like, ha, 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 blah, 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 blah. Ha, 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 blah, blah, blah. And they're going. I can see the rage building in their little testosterone-filled bodies. And as they're doing this, I know why they're doing it, because they're trying to get up the ladder of not be the lowest person in the room. 
which means I'm willing to slaughter everybody with my words so that I'm not the lowest on the totem pole. I don't want to be the one that's picked on, the smallest, the lowest. I got to have a quick comeback to hurt others. So if I can cut others down, then I can build myself up. And you know what? Ninth grade boys are the same as all of you because we all do it. In small ways, middle ways, online with our typing, the words we use to try to feel better about ourselves by hurting others instead of building each other up and giving life. I walked into there, into that room with a group of boys. I said, gentlemen, we're not going to use words to hurt each other. Give life with words. I'm preaching out on Sunday. Totally kidding, I didn't say that. But <laughs> new creations do not hold on to bitterness and wrath. Bitterness is this prolonged time of not releasing forgiveness. Forgiveness releases, bitterness holds. New creations do not hold on to that and the wrath and the revenge of that. We let it go. New creations, when you are hurt, constantly let go the offenses that are done to you. And I would like to say that this is my best scenario, and I'm saying this is probably my weakest point of all of them. Because when someone hurts me, I'm a big feeler. I got big squishy feels. I tend to hold it really deep, and I hang on to it, and I hold on to that pain, and I get madder and madder. And then guess what comes out? Words. But bitterness, when I release and I open my hands of bitterness, actually transforms my heart. And I release you, which means, why would I say bad words? You're forgiven and released. New creations are kind to others. Kindness, regardless of how we're being treated, puts others before ourselves. Kindness brings love and peace into the life of others. And kindness, kindness is something that's really hard when you're being hurt. But we're called to it. New creations are tender-hearted. We have compassion and sympathy for others. We have big, squishy feels for people in their situation and walk with them. I was not angry at those young men. My heart was broken because I was one of those young men. So I didn't come in yelling and hitting them with tennis balls. I, I love them and understand what a hard time of life. How can I walk with you to see that there's something better and show them what tender-hearted kindness looks like? Forgiving. As already stated, forgiveness is the key to everything because new creations understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is based on the fact that you were forgiven. If you can't forgive others, how do we expect Jesus to forgive us? This new creation is a lot of work. It's a lot of work here. This side over here, oh, this is natural. I like this part. This guy's kind of flowing out of this, right? But this new creation, you understand now why I have to release this to pick this up. You can't hold both at the same time. I can't use words to kill and words to give life. I can't be kind. I can't be kind and also be completely terrible. There is a tension that rises there when we try to hold on to both. And the word of God makes it so clear. This process of sanctification we're in, the closer you get closer to Jesus, the more you realize how far you are from him. That's why you still sin. Sanctification is this process of oh my goodness, I didn't realize that Ephesians 4 said this, and now you realize that there's another sin area, and you look to release that, and you're in another work project. That's why you are never finished, my friends. You're never going to be like, I'm sinless. It's never going to happen, because the closer you get to God, God shows you the next level of how we need to be more like him. So the process that we use is sanctification, and that's the process in which we need to forgive each other and love each other, and that's where grace comes in. God knows how messed up humans are, just like I understand the testosterone running through a ninth grade boy. They're going with natural, 
They're going with what's normal to them, to what they've seen, what they've been grown up in. But to me, as a follower of Jesus, I need to grow up. Is it time for us to grow up as a church, maybe? As followers? Is it time for us to start being the new creations we've talked about? Is it time for us to no longer just simply be complacent about sin, but to be in a constant tension that when sin enters your life, you jump on it, expose it, repent of it, and release it? Because the new creation portion now says, my life is a living sacrifice to give away to everybody else. Total counterthinking to how we naturally think life is supposed to be for us. New life. I think it's time for us to be new creations. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.